Hello, and welcome to Metachemistry. This is episode 74, and today we want to talk about the latest season of ITS, the Infinity Tournament season, which is 15, codenamed New Order. So this is kind of a first impressions sort of video. Uh, as far as I know, I don't think any of us have gotten a chance to get in any games with season 15, but this is us kind of getting to go over the document a little bit, kind of mull it over some, and kind of talk about what we think at a first glance. And, you know, just like last season, I'm sure we'll do a, a recap of our thoughts after we've played through the season, but for now, this is just kind of a, oh, what stood out? What's different? What's interesting? What do we like? What do we not like? And so on. But before we get into that, we want to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Mo Games. Uh, Mythics Online Emporium is an online supplier for Infinity that you can find at mo-games.com. And as part of their sponsorship for our show, all of our patrons get a 10% discount code. And anyone who's part of our Discord, patron or otherwise, is entered in to win a $40 coupon code every month that we randomly raffle off. Because what's better than games? Mo Games. And... We also had a chance to, well, I, I got a chance to get in on the Arachne podcast uh, for a bit of an interview and some talk about generally improving play in Infinity, and so you should definitely check them out. Dr. D was an awesome host. He was very kind uh, to have us on, and, and he asked if I would talk about the Everwinter Tabletop Conference, which is an event that's happening in Boston this December at the Weston Walton. So you can find out the details at wickeddicey.com slash everwinter. And you can email them at hello at wickeddicey.com. So that'll be about a 600-person event with, it looks like, 15 or so gaming game systems that will be represented so it's not purely infinity but infinity should be there and so yeah this is also a satellite tournament so if you're looking for some interaction with the interplanetario that'll be one of the options coming up here in just a couple months but with that we have on this episode azoka ian and myself so let's check in with everybody uh, ian how have things been going as of late Post Krug world. Oh, it's been interesting. We um, waiting for the you know obviously season fifteen to drop, uh, which now we've gotten that document. And we're gonna talk about it. Uh, you know, get the new uh, operations deck combination of uh, classified and some other stuff. So that'll be coming out soon, and then we can really get started with the season. So in the meantime, we've been doing some different games. Uh, we've started doing a little bit of uh bushido and it's a lot of fun it has it's a samurai themed game uh a little more like fantasy-esque because uh, there are like oni and and demons and different mythological creatures and stuff that are involved but it has a bit of a activation system that's similar to infinity where your models get like two 
activations a turn. Uh, they're all, they're alternating you and your opponent, uh, but you have to kind of spend your activations to do different things, and uh, they can be multi-part. So there's a little bit of uh, flavor of infinity with some of it, but it's also uh, very much its own thing, and it's quite wildly a lot of fun. Uh, we've so I've, we've gotten starter boxes. We've played a few games of that, and uh, it, it's just wild. I'm playing uh, the the Minimoto Clan, who are the Bear Clan, and they're just all about heavy armor, not taking moons, not dying, and hitting people with Tetsubo bonk sticks. <laughs> so you're telling you're telling me that you're sticking yourself <laughs> way outside your normal comfort zone, huh? Uh, yeah, yeah. We have our normal comfort <laughs> zone. Uh, the last uh, kind of game we played, it was hilarious because uh, my opponent was playing the um, it's like the Shadow Wind Clan or something. They're, they're they're ninjas. It's a ninja clan, and so they have like these ultimate badasses with all these special rules, do all these things, and you know they're just really really cool. And I'm super specialized in one thing, and that's not dying. So, like, the ninjas run up, and they just, like, bounce off my armor, and then cease to exist as they get smacked in the face with the Tetsubo. And it was a lot of fun. Uh, I've played a few games now, won a few, lost a few, had fun on all of them. So, I'm looking forward to doing some more of that in between Bats of Infinity. Very cool. Well, yeah, what about you, Zoka? You know, I, uh, I too, am going to pick up Bushido. I haven't gotten any models in yet, so I only had a, the intro game with Ian at, at our little Krug after party, which was a good time enough to get both of us into it, so that's pretty cool. The, um, but for Infinity, unfortunately, it's been sidelined so hard still by Baldur's Gate. <laughs> it's been <laughs> just just too much. Too good, too phenomenal that I just it haven't been able to tear myself away. So good. I've been playing it as well, and uh, I've it's, put like 30 hours into it, and I'm still in like the very beginning area because I'm just exploring everything. <laughs> yep. It's super easy to do. Yeah. Well, yeah just get so, so lost. <laughs> so I too have been playing a lot of Baldur's Gate. Um, yeah, probably about 120 hours since launch, and it's been a lot of fun. Like, I've been thrilled playing it but yeah as far as uh infinity goes i've got another game of reinforcements in um i'm kind of sticking nice. to um a lift primarily oss because that's my that's my home that's my happy place and they got a lot of cool stuff like new and interesting things because um they got a lot of stuff yeah Dang a it, lot of new profiles right it 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 was pretty cool to see like, oh, yeah, here's all these different things we can do. So, yeah, plus it also helps that I'm very comfortable with the faction. Just like I already know the existing units well enough that I don't really have to worry about them a whole lot. And so playing uh, reinforcements on top of it is less mental overhead. But yeah, so that's been good. I am looking forward to playing some more reinforcements games and some more non-reinforcements games, actually. And it is... They do feel like very different beasts as far as that goes. Like, it doesn't sound like a whole lot. Like, oh, we're going to play a 250-point game with reinforcements. Mm -hmm. But the list building changes more substantially than I would expect. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's really it's crazy. Always, it's always like, wait, 
especially since you're not really playing 250 and 5 SWC, you're playing 240 and 4.5 and SWC because of the comic. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. I, I've liked some of the fun. options because, um, like, with Foreign Company, I always had an issue with um, I really like brawlers, but I can only take one, and I'm never going to take one brawler. Especially when I can take bolts or kaplans, yeah. And then all of a sudden, it was reinforcements. And wait, wait, wait! I could take a five-man core team of brawlers and just drop them in the middle of the board. <laughs> y- yes, please. It was a-, a lot of fun to do. So to actually get to use those models in a meaningful way in a faction that normally doesn't get to really utilize them. So I thought that was kind of cool. Some of the new options that that mode has brought to different factions. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm looking forward to getting more exposure to reinforcements so we can kind of talk about it a little more in depth once we have more experience and have tried some different things and different factions and whatnot. Because right now the sample size between all of us is very, very small. I think probably four or five games between the three of us. I've got two. Yeah, still. Yeah. So, (laughs) yeah. But, again, that's a discussion for another time, perhaps. But today we're talking about Season 15, New Order. So, Season 15, well, I think that I've made some of my opinions on the last couple seasons fairly vocal. (laughs) There were things that I did not necessarily care for in those seasons. But I think that that's been largely addressed by season 15. I'm actually very excited because a lot of the randomly distributed rules from the season have kind of been cut down a bit. There are still some, and I think that's fine to have some that apply here and there. Again, I would kind of like the idea that you can just take the quantum anomaly zones or decompression zones from last season or blizzard zones from the season before, et cetera, and have those be an extra, for instance, or, you know, um, the defensive things like the turrets or the quantum creatures from this season and things like that. But at least there's not as many, because one of the things I don't know about you guys, but one of the things that bothered me a lot was low gravity, no gravity, because they're randomly distributed. Yep. Mm-hmm. Both of them to different missions and they had different effects that you had to keep track of. And there wasn't really an indicator. Yep. It was just, Oh yeah, don't remember. Don't forget. Don't remember. Yeah. That's probably more accurate, but don't forget <laughs> that in this mission, these things get bonuses this way. And this one, you know, this will give you super jump and this will give you an extra move or extra inch to your move and things like that. Yeah. So I, I like that a lot of the season rules have been kind of toned down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, there are still some new ones, and I think that's cool. But yeah, and my favorite is that free models have gone away. Yes, they're that's now, very nice. They're now an extra. So yeah, why don't we take a minute to talk about the extras? Uh, by and large, it was extras coming in to ITS, not so much them leaving. Though there was one that left that I don't think anyone will miss. But yeah, Ian, do you want to kind of run through those real quick in terms of the the new extras and the extras that, that is now gone? Yes. So the um, 
extras are have always been kind of an interesting thing with Infinity. It gives the tournament organizer, uh, or even just two players that want to try them out, um, a lot of agency over how the game and how the tournament's going to get played. So that's been like super interesting with the extras. Um, now they don't get used super often, but sometimes you do see some big tournaments and you want to use like the mercenaries extra or something like that. And I think we're going to see a little bit more of that with reinforcements as well. Uh, now coming into the picture, but you know, these are, these are your normal ones. Like, you know, your escalation tournaments, uh, where you start off with lower points and then build up over the course of the tournament. Um, the free game extra where which takes away the 15 trooper limit that's been around uh spec ops for having your character model uh that gets some bonuses uh soldiers of fortune which is the the mercenary extra uh it's been around for a long time it's a lot of fun it allows you to take the uh 75 points of mercenaries for an additional swc cost overall uh so that's been great uh reinforced command is where no uh Loss of lieutenant uh, that applies. Uh, CQB, any shots over uh, 32 inches auto fail. Their direct action, uh, which is was introduced last season, and that entitles the uh, direct action missions, which they've now moved Annihilation into, which it kind of already kind of fit into that uh, mode anyway. So it's like basically doing a tournament composed of those five missions. And then reinforcements being the new mode that, you know, is coming in. Obviously, that's going to be part of the season. And so that's that's what they're really trying to promote, which is cool. Now, as Devin said, free models are gone from the season, but it's now an extra. And that's called the Mercenary Contractors. And I am super happy with this because... It allows the tournament organizer to decide, are we going to use this as well? So it gives them agency, but it also gives the players agency because it's applied evenly across all missions of the tournament. You're not having to pick and choose and say, oh, well, I only get this guy in this mission or this guy in this mission. And they have paired back the amount of options on the, the free models that would come from that. So you don't have as many profiles, but... You get to choose between the CSUs, the Bashi Bazooks, and the Motorized Bounty Hunter. And so you can get those for like the whole tournament. So you can kind of go, well, maybe I'm going to take maybe this one for this list and these ones for that list. So I like the agency it gives the players. I like the agency it gives the tournament organizers to decide how that tournament is going to be run with these. And the fact that it's applied evenly across the whole tournament makes it a lot coolers you can actually just integrate it into your list more effectively um resilience operations this is a new its extra uh there's in the new deck that's coming out the operations deck it is your classified deck and your uh resilience operations deck they're kind of combined and it's going to be where uh the mission is kind of almost randomly generated through card draws and with terrain and things like that. Uh, once we get our hands on those, we'll kind of go more in depth on it. Because uh, at the time of recording, those cards are still about three weeks out from release. So we'll get on that as soon as we can. Um, but one of the important things, so we've gotten a couple new 
extras in, but we've lost an extra. And that was the, the double deck extra where you would mix your uh, regular and hard mode classifieds, the green and the red decks together, and random draw for extra chaos. Very uh, important. Yes. Yeah. If well, you didn't know about okay. it, raise your hand. Yeah. Uh, but it also seems that in from looking through the missions that uh, hard mode classifieds might just be gone because they're not referenced in the missions that would normally allow you to take those. Which would make sense if they're putting the resilience operation stuff into the, the card pack. So I am kind of excited for that because when it wasn't really used, uh, double deck is kind of is really annoying because uh, it's just, you know it's a, it's a random fifty percent chance that you draw a classified that's going to be way harder for the same amount of points, and your opponent probably draws the green one and is just able to do it. Yeah. So. Happy I'm to glad see to that see go. that go away. Uh, Not that I had ever seen it used. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That uh, said, you know, I've played my fair share of hard mode classified missions. It was a thing is, you know, you get that tournament organizer every now and then that decides that they just want to be a bit of a sadist. And uh, you know what? I'm okay with that. Sometimes it just is what it is. <laughs> yep, that's Rose City Raid. Yep, but that's that's where we're at on the extras. I think it's a... A positive move forward, taking away something that really wasn't used, and then adding in a few new options. Because if there's anything that I personally like, it's opening up and widening the tool set, the options that I or a tournament organizer have available to kind of customize and tailor things to you know, how the event that you want to run or how you want to build things out. And so I think that this has been a step in that direction of really adding some more options. It could be very interesting for different ways to play the game. Yeah. And I will say on that note, I'm glad to see hard mode classifieds go away, especially mixed in that case, which again, I never really saw used, but I just think it's not really a fun part of the game. It's like if... You know, and that's part of why they introduced you know specialist bonuses and missions. Like, hey, you bring the right tool, you get a significant, uh, a significantly increased chance to accomplish an objective. Because that's one of the, I feel like it's one of the most frustrating things is to get tied up and spend a bunch of orders just doing a mission that you're already there. You know, you're already at the console, you're already at the tech coffin, or whatever the case may be, and or. In this instance, the you know you're next to the HVT or whatnot, and all the red cards did, all the hard mode cards were basically saying that, hey, you either need to be more lucky or spend more orders to do this to get this done, which I just think is not very fun. Yeah, it was very unengaging. There wasn't a whole lot of thought, like provoking tactics that you could do to make it yeah. better. Yeah, it was just yeah, it, do do the thing on extra time or do it at an additional penalty. Sometimes yeah. both. Sometimes both. Like you were yeah. talking about, I am really I I'm totally behind you guys on really disliking the auto include extra uh troopers. I really wasn't a big fan of that. But for some reason, transferring it to a extra makes me really happy and I'm Mm -hmm. I like that that's an option that you that a tournament organizer can can have like they didn't completely get rid of it. So it's still around. But it's the way that it's applied now, I think, is what makes it 
acceptable and more interesting because it's I get to pick you know, more limited profiles, but I get to pick which of the three I use, and then I get to use them for every mission of the tournament. Yeah, and the rule is like an opt-in, right? Instead yeah. of being a complete just this is how ITS is played. It's yeah. you get to opt into it. You get the choice. Yeah, I feel like with some of these changes, like this is very positive move this season uh from what we've had the last couple of seasons i've been i'm actually very excited about this because there's just like we do have some new things but we don't have this like overwhelming amount of extra stuff Mm. that's just kind of all over the place that you're trying trying to keep track of it seems like this is kind of the happy medium and where a lot of those things like might still be around in some fashion they're it seems manageable. It does. Yeah. The, I, I um, do appreciate that. Definitely say that I'm pretty excited to uh, cover resilience operations. That's <laughs> going to be a good time. Yeah. yeah, that'll be fun. But yeah, as far as uh, the missions go, like obviously the resiliency op- uh, resilience operations is going to be a big thing that we can't really talk about just yet. We might uh, at the bottom of the episode talk about it some as far as what we do know, but a lot of that is locked behind yeah. that deck until they become available. But Azoka, do you want to hit the mission changes? I know we've had a couple things rotate out, a couple things move, and some things with objectives and things like that have kind of modified slightly. You want to hit those real quick? Sure, yeah. So first I'm going to talk about what we lost from ITS 14. And I don't know if you talked about it, Ian, but one of the uh, before we get into the missions, one of the ones that I noticed that is going to at least impact my list building is the Tachimoto's rule. Losing the forward mm-hmm. observer bot bonuses is is going mm-hmm. to have an impact on some play for sure. So um, that's uh, I'm excited to see how how uh, kind of go back to what it was beforehand. But for the missions that we're losing, we're going to lose out on cryogenics, quadrant control, and rescue. So no longer do we have rescue, and I think that's kind of being replaced by its counterpart and other missions that it's going into. So the counterpart to rescue is evacuation, and then we get two new missions, which is B-Pong and Last Launch. And if you are unfamiliar, B-Pong was a custom mission written for one of the narrative campaign events, and they plopped it into ITS season 15, which is pretty neat. Yeah, it was Operation Hungry Walrus. Uh, It was a fan-made campaign uh, in New Hypatia. And CB said that they would take one of the missions that were submitted to that. There were a lot of uh, missions from creators and things like that. We submitted a mission there. Uh, uh, Black Labs was our mission. And yeah, so they selected one of the missions to introduce into the packet, and it was Bipong which was written by Helois, who's on their staff. <laughs> <laughs> they just know how to pick it, I guess. So Good quality. So, yeah, I, one of the big things that I noticed kind of looking at the mission that goes out and missions that kind of come in here is that we lost specialist bonuses in cryogenics and i'm pretty sure quadrant control because because quadrant control has uh the 
consoles that you have to control, right? Am I or am I thinking uh, of a different one? Supremacy. Supremacy. Got supremacy it. is basically the quadrant control with the consoles in each quadrant. Quadrant control was just hold the quadrants mostly. Right, right. And I see we still have supremacy, but we lose cryogenics and that one had a doctor bonus, but we didn't pick up any mission that has a specialist bonus. So gone are the days where we're seeing a whole lot of hacker bonuses, I guess, to the missions. I guess we, we do still have unmasking mind wipe acquisition and supremacy. So there's still definitely going to be a collection of missions that are going to have specialist bonuses. But I think it's it's interesting that they're they're including less of it, I guess, for me. Yeah, that is kind of curious because I, I as I said a little bit ago, I like the specialist bonuses. I like so do I say, hey, this is a way that hey, if you want to avoid potentially blowing a bunch of orders on activating an objective, you bring the specific tool and you can get rewarded for that. I think that's nice. I agree. I think it's great for list building. I personally am really sad that we've lost a doctor one. I would have loved to great. gain a doctor one, a engineer one, and maybe another chain of command or just gotten rid of chain of command, period. Make power packed an engineer one instead of chain of command because it's a really weird interaction with specialist uh, but uh, that's just one of the big things that I noticed and yeah also in I don't know if you guys have noticed it for season 14 and season 13 where uh, some kind people out there make a lovely cheat sheet for the the whole ITS missions that includes this mission has this uh, bonus applied to it such as this one has a Baji bazook, this one has the sectet, so on and so forth, or the zones. And it was always really daunting. The cheat sheet was great to look at because it made it so much easier to digest when mm -hmm. looking at missions um, and kind of like to mentally get yourself equipped for list building purposes. And they have uh, made a cheat sheet for ITS-15, and it's so much more like digestible have Advanced. you did, yeah yeah have you did you guys notice that as well yeah yeah i have seen the cheat sheet for this season and the last couple seasons and yeah i mean it's just a great visual representation for how this season has in my opinion generally moved in the right direction i don't really like the randomly distributed rules across a bunch of missions at least so heavily especially ones that are very mm. similar but yeah. distinct so yeah i think that's great well, yeah, and I think it's just kind of smooth stuff out because, like, you still have it, but it's it's less egregious, in my opinion, this season. Yeah, it's Plus, much less egregious. You know, some of the stuff that they, they kept, which was kind of cool, is, like, you know, there's still a few missions that you can get the Evo Hacker uh, regular extra regular order bonus. And I'm like, that's kind of cool. Right? I yeah. think that's yes. more common. I want to say that there's probably, like, five or six missions that have yeah. an Evo Hacker bonus. And I think um, that's really cool because I liked that. Um, and so them keeping that around is really cool. Yeah. Um, and you'd mentioned Tachimoto's just a little bit ago, uh, but those were replaced because uh, that was, you know, kind of the season benefit patch 
beta tests, whatever you want to call it, for a given unit type. Mm -hmm. uh, this one is a little bit less unit type centered, but for this season, we've gotten uh, O12's Prestige, which is not related to a specific unit at all. Uh, but it allows you to, once per turn, you can spend a command token to add an extra regular order to one of your combat groups. Which I think is really interesting for reinforcements in particular, because that's kind of one of the big tug-of-wars, is how do I have an effective reinforcement group, but also not, you know, starve it with, you know, four orders or something like that. Uh, so I think yeah. that's really interesting. And... It means that there should no longer be any games where, and arguably this was always the case, and I'm just bad. But, you know, there will not be a case where I will have leftover command tokens anymore. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, I also three of them. think it's a really good buff to, or incentive, as it were, to take some of the extra command token totally. lieutenant options. Uh, you know, just that I can get three extra orders over the course of the game and still have two command tokens to do freeform fire teams or, you know, do whatever with is awesome. Uh, now I think I have that's a reason really to take the avatar. Cool. <laughs> yeah, now you, <laughs> yeah. I was thinking more like outside of the avatar, a lot of the extra command token um, lieutenant options are on kind of like basic dudes that aren't necessarily as sought after is good so you know you like i know it's on a ghoulam there's a minuteman profile which it's not a basic dude but the minutemen uh don't really have anything flashy for Isn't the there most are you one too yeah that's the, the that minutemen yeah oh, nailed it yeah because they're like they're, they're whip 12 but with an extra command token it kind of balances when they don't have a whole lot of anything else that's flashy compared to other options in that list um saladin. i think that yeah Sal saladin you know, but I think that it gives a little extra incentive to take some of those profiles. Uh, you know, because I, I know a lot of people go for the extra lieutenant order, especially if they have access to NCO. And mm -hmm. outside of again the avatar, there's oh, not man. a lot of profiles that double up the extra lieutenant order with the extra command token. It's the, kind of a one or the other. So I don't think that they thematically called it O12s, like. Uh a thing because you've got the alpha which has both of those which is in 012 yeah <laughs> it's just here's my strategos extra order and we have lieutenant or uh, the extra uh command token well, lovely and, and yeah. saladin does very much operate in the uh, uh 012 yep. sphere like in starmada and stuff in the fleet command so it makes sense there as well so I know that there are plenty of people who will run models like the Ghulam Lieutenant that has a plus one command token on it. But I feel like a Ghulam Lieutenant is just generally a good lieutenant regardless of if it has the plus one command token. Oh, yeah, the whip it's not 14. that expensive. Yeah, the right? whip 14 yeah, is what makes it. So it's I mean, so I see I see people play that already, but I don't ever see people play like the Minutemen or um Stephen Rao or some of the other like kind of maybe either cheap to mid range expensive troops that have Lieutenant uh, command token. I don't I haven't seen those before, so I think we'll see them more now and I will definitely look at them more because I honestly wrote, wrote those profiles off. And if it was just one that had a plus one command token that I had taken, it was just because, well, it's my lieutenant and I don't have any other better options. So here we are. Right. 
Yeah, so I think that'll be interesting to see, because mm-hmm. extra command tokens are around, but they're not something I would consider prolific in the game. Yeah, it used It'll to only really be on, like, Sunzay back in the day. Yeah. And then, so rare. we've gotten several more options now, but it's still not widely prolific. Yeah. And the other bonus rule for this season is border skirmishes. So this one's pretty interesting, because this is sort of a buff to airborne deployment units in terms of, like, you know, I was saying earlier that it's not necessarily, this season isn't focusing on a unit type. You could kind of argue that this is in favor of airborne deployment troops. Uh, But it lets you, once per game, you can take one airborne deployment trooper and deploy them touching the edge of an exclusion zone. And if the model is deploying via combat jump, it can touch any edge. So parachutists are obviously going to be at the, the edges of the board. But a combat jumper can touch any edge, any of the four edges of an exclusion zone. And they don't need to make a fizz roll to land there, which is pretty sweet. So, yeah, so yeah, there's a little bit awesome. of a buff. Now, it's only in certain missions where mm-hmm. exclusion zones apply. Um, and it's specifically to combat jump primarily. And it's and a get, single model gets to do it. Right. So you don't gain extra benefit from this rule by taking additional combat jump units. So it's not really like a, you know, like previous seasons like the Tachimotos or the um, the bikers and things like that. You can't really you can't multiply the effect by spamming a bunch of that unit, uh, which I like. Uh, so mm-hmm. this is kind of cool. It's an interesting small buff. Yeah. And just something to kind of make the season a little bit spicier, as it were. Yeah, yeah I, I think it's really cool. <laughs> I agree. The value of combat jump definitely decreases with the inclusion of exclusion zones, right? Because you mm-hmm. won't be able to... There's a large portion of the board where you might want to place your units that you just can't. So I like that they included this for exclusion zone specifics. Yeah. I hope that it's easy to remember. It feels really easy to remember for me, but um, I could see it getting lost. Mm-hmm. Maybe not yeah. as lost as Bashi's were (laughs) right yeah i think the nice thing about it is that it's not just okay you can deploy touching exclusion zone where you normally could not i think the fact that there's an additional mechanical benefit where you can have a combat jumper go without needing to roll so you have you can either most combat jump troopers not all of them but most of them will have parachutist so you can just walk in on the board edge if you want but having these extra lines across the entire board where you can potentially walk in effectively uh, is really cool. Like, I think that that is enough of an incentive to be like, Oh, I want to build around that. I want to make sure I bring a combat Trump troop this season. Yeah. If there's several of these missions in a lineup or what have you. Well, I just like the idea of like your opponent pushes into the center of the board and then you just go surprise combat jumper just mm-hmm. auto drops like right behind them on, you know, touching the ed- their edge of the exclusion zone. And you're like, here I am. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like it's, it's a pretty powerful rule. And I think that's what will keep it in people's minds. I mean, not always of course, but mm-hmm. I think that that will help make it memorable. And speaking of rules, being more memorable by effectiveness, the quantum anomaly zones this season have so one cool. very special addition. So 
if you're not already familiar, uh, quantum anomaly zones are the same, you know, cir uh, circular templates that have been placed in previous seasons where you get two, you place them. They specifically cannot overlap this season. That is new to this season. You can't have them touching each other. They are difficult terrain zero G and they are saturation zones. But this season, if you spend an order, so basically on active turn, if you touch or activate within a quantum anomaly zone, you take a BTS hit at damage 10. So I think that's really interesting because that makes them like, I don't know how many of you have experienced this, but I know I've definitely had games where we're like, all right, let's just put them on the, the very far edges of the board. We'll stack them on top of each other, basically keep them out of the game. We've done mm -hmm. our part for deploying them, but they're just kind of annoying and in the way. But now they're more of an area denial tool, right? Yeah. Like you can especially if something doesn't have zero G or terrain total, they get hit a minimum of twice because they stop when they touch it and take a hit. And then the next time they activate either to back up and get out or to try and push through, they take a hit. And yeah, damage 10 isn't a lot, but it's enough to threaten and like with how many down. Wound models there are, you know, well, and how many models are there that have BTS zero? It's 50% oh, chance to go. There's down. a lot. I mean, yeah. I don't play Ariadna, but I'm sure there are. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, but the thing I like about this, because um, I haven't been a fan of the terrain zones, I like, I want to see terrain used. I want to see mm -hmm. those rules used. And the way they've been doing is a way to kind of in, enforce that people are using the terrain rules and that terrain skills matter. Um, I haven't necessarily liked the application, although I don't really have a better suggestion however mm -hmm. i am intrigued and i kind of like the application this season because that adding that bts hit makes the deployment of those terrain zones of those templates much more impactful and meaningful because mm -hmm. now you're looking at okay how can i block off my opponent's routes of advance how can i make it difficult for them to get to the objectives and you're forcing, in many cases, your opponent into this high-risk, high-reward style of play of, like, I I have a guy that has terrain zero to your to terrain total. He can get through there, but can he tank the BTS hit right. for the most direct advance? Or am I going to have to spend extra orders to swing around and do the safe option? And I think it, it does something to... switch up the the standard mode of play the standard thinking on some of these routes of advance and and stuff i i'm interested to see how this kind of plays out um and you know even though it's kind of the same thing that i didn't really like this addition of that makes me reconsider how i felt about it i i think that it could be much more interesting now yeah i think the problem with the terrain zones that have been placed in prior seasons is that they felt, in my opinion anyway, they felt like they were too low impact. Like it added more irritation to the game, mm -hmm. for lack of a better word, than interesting play. Yeah. Like, yes, there was more to think about, and you had to pay attention, like, oh, right, that's a saturation zone. Or, oh, I'm actually not going to have enough orders if I go this way, or things like that. So there was some play there, but it was mostly just kind of annoying and, you know, 
were easily forgotten, or even if players did remember. Like I said, I don't know if any of your opponents have ever agreed to that, but I've had a handful of games where we're just like, yeah, we'll just set those aside. We'll just not worry about that. But the extra impact, now it feels like, okay, there's a reason to include these. Because of kind of all of them, put all of the those three effects put together, mm-hmm. now it feels like, okay, there's enough impact on the game to make it worthwhile to place them and consider yeah. their placement and things like that. Yeah. So, I mean, I had plenty like of games where the models that I took had enough terrain zero G or specifically terrain total that as far as movement, the terrain zones were not even a thing for the most part. The saturation zone was still annoying, but like, the terrain was not even a thing for movement in many cases because I had the requisite skill. But now, mm, you gotta you gotta judge whether it's worth it to try, and I think that's cool. Right? Like, okay, well, is it worth getting the extra speed boost because I have the terrain skill mm-hmm. compared to I'm gonna take this hit? And that's part of the thing that's interesting about that is that the hit is automatic. It's mm-hmm. just by touching the zone or activating within the zone uh, once per order. So it's not like if you move into it and then declare another skill, it's not hitting you per skill or anything like that. It's uh, per activation. But you can't do anything about it. You can't dodge it. Um, You can't oppose it or anything like that. It just hits you. So it makes them very dangerous. Yeah, I think it's too dangerous. I think this is a terrible way to include include this the terrain zones because like like you joked about ariadna but this really hurts ariadna really hard right because sure if like if you get a couple of i don't know like let's say you get to a table where there's a very clear path to an objective and then your opponent lays down um lays down the template there you have and you could just go around it Right, mm-hmm. like go the other way. That's totally a valid and good um, tactic, but that that's going to add how many orders to what you're trying to do. Mm-hmm. And then, if a ter- or if a objective is placed in such a spot, like a corner of a building where two buildings touch or something like that, and then someone lays the um, terrain zone right in front of that, then you have to go through it to hit it. That's I think it's just it's just terrible. It's just absolutely garbage because now you're going to run into the same situation as you were talking about with the um, classified deck where like now you have to not get unlucky and do the mission to survive and do it. I'm not a fan, but Mm. it's it is at least more interesting than previously included. And um, while we're kind of on the topic, they did specifically mention that you can place objectives on terrain. And that would counter what I'm talking about in a way. Mm -hmm. And I think that's like a great inclusion on their part for for saying that. The Mm -hmm. amount of times that I saw objectives on terrain was very minor. Like almost never if it wasn't a hex mill terrain uh, or one of my tables. Yeah, well, it's like our meta, we generally tend to do it. But the wider game, it seems to be much more uncommon. Yeah. And I think that that's due to kind of a perception of 
fairness of play effectively where okay well if it's up here that's going to significantly benefit units with uh, special movement skills mm -hmm. but they do call it out in this packet um, which is really cool so yeah that's a good shout out azoka that like yeah you can like it's not that you couldn't but they expressly mention it so that that'll mm -hmm. be in table makers minds mm -hmm. and i think that there's you know Movement skills are good for a reason, right? And this yeah. being one of them is is just as good as any other reason. But yeah, that is a good tool to potentially avoid getting trapped by quantum anomaly zones. Also, I'm going to point out that uh, and there are ways to mitigate the quantum anomaly zones because they're going to be down before deployment. Mm -hmm. And many factions, but also primarily Ariadna, have access to a ridiculous amount of infiltration troopers. So you can, in many cases, just get them around where the zones are. So, you know, those the past those routes of advance. Um, it's going to be obviously table dependent, uh, but also in terms of what you take in your list and whether it is applying to these terrain zones or objectives on top of buildings, life's about choices. Yeah, and I think that, like, sure, it feels the most prevalent against Ariadna because of the generally low or no BTS. Yeah. But, I mean, that's a... Okay, uh, most units are probably... I would say the majority of units in the game are 0 or 3 BTS. Yes. And a 3 100%. BTS trooper needs an 8 to pass. Right, and which is BTS terrifying. Zero, right, and a BTS 0 trooper needs an 11 to pass, but that doesn't feel like... I feel like it sucks in both instances. Like I don't mm -hmm. feel like yeah. just because it's zero BTS, like that is so much worse. It's just kind of bad for everybody. Unless you're BTS nine, in which case you Right. BTS nine is the only time when it's good. Right. Yeah. Because yeah. even if you're six, you're still failing on a five, right? So yeah. uh, on a five plus you pass. So you fail yes. on a four or lower. Sorry, yeah. So you you've got a twenty percent chance to just fail, and if you take one wound and you're out of it, like just yeah. SOL, buddy. Yeah, BTS nine though. Oh, don't roll yeah. a one. Don't I do like one. the the idea that now we have BTS nine buff, and that's cool because I barely saw BTS nine matter or even BTS six for the most part. While it does come up, it didn't come up enough, and this and most of the time makes it breaker. <laughs> which you know, kind of yeah. That anyway. <laughs> well, I sure, I'm glad I paid those points. See, I always love getting the CSU and rolling the plus six BTS on the Medichem roll because they're already three. And then yeah. just diving them into like an objective room that somebody's got a bunch of guys with like nanopulsers. And I'm like, hey, uh, I'm going to get you. Yeah, yeah. Just happens so rarely. It does. But it's fun when it pulls yeah. off. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, one of the other. This might be the last major one. I think it's the last major one mm -hmm. is as far as extra uh, extra rules that come up on a mission by mission basis is the quantum anomaly zone creatures. Now, the creatures, I don't believe, share missions with the zones. I don't think so. They do not. But uh, but yeah, so basically the creatures are this season's turrets. But essentially, they're weird, wonky creatures that are caused mm -hmm. by these quantum zones that have uh, appeared on Concilium Prima. Uh, for story reasons that, you know, depending on how we get along, we might be able to talk about a little bit. 
But um, essentially, these are living turrets in a way. They are um, they are one wound creatures that are size one. They have a CC eleven and will burst three CC attack you via guard without zone of control. Or well, not without zone of control. I'm sorry. Uh, without line of fire. So they don't need to see you to hit you. They just need to be in zone of control. And have a path to reach. And they have to be able to get to you somehow. Yeah, similar to, uh, like, boost weapon perimeters, crazy koalas specifically. Yeah, exactly. So this is a damage 13 AP hit. And they're (laughs) armor 1, BTS 3. The interesting thing is that you can get them outside of that 8 inches and just pop them. Or if you have something that's really good in close combat, uh, CC 11 and effectively 8 most of the time is not really going to bother you when you're on a 24, 25 plus. Also, deactivators will work because they yes. count as deployable weapons. Yeah, they're <laughs> deployable equipment, so you can hit them with a deactivator and just, you know, hit the remote control on the creature and turn it off. <laughs> <laughs> is it a collar? What is it? I don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, what's interesting with this is that each player places one and they are not hostile to you, uh, which is kind of like when I was first looking through it, I just kind of figured, you know, okay, there's these weird quantum zone creatures that they're just going to try and murder everybody, but they only attack your opponent or yours only attacks your opponent and theirs only attacks you and they can be placed anywhere up to four inches away from your opponent's deployment zone, which is wild. Which it sort of makes sense because of their effective and short range, mm-hmm. but it and it happens at the end of deployment. So after all reserves have gone down, is when you place them, and you place them in initiative order. So whoever's going first drops theirs first. But yeah, it's really interesting because depending on your opponent, they may not have something that's particularly good in CC, or they may have to go around a building, and you place it on the corner of that building and it tries to bite them on their way across. And maybe they're not going to fight off three CC 11 attacks. But yeah, I think that's really interesting. I kind of like this approach that you can either use it pretty aggressively and put it fairly close to your opponent's DZ. In fact, you can put it in range to hit things in your opponent's DZ, which is kind of wild depending on, you know, what is over there. But you can also use it pretty defensively and you can have this kind of sit somewhere important, you know, uh, in your deployment zone and keep things away from like diving on you. Mm-hmm. And again, if they're not good in CC, this is a pretty significant deterrent or say it were a drop troop. They're not going to come in with range of it within range of it because <laughs> that three unopposed elevens <laughs> is not going to be a good time. No. Or put it on an objective. Yeah. That's kind of how I'm thinking of playing them. Absolutely. So yeah, I think that these are really interesting and they're very different to the turrets because the turrets could hit you basically from anywhere on the, on the table if they had line of fire, because you can fire out to 48 inches with a combi rifle poorly, but they (laughs) had the chance. These you can, they're more dangerous if you're in their effective range, but they're also manageable outside of their effective range, depending on terrain and where you can move. So I think those will be a fun addition. I'm curious to try these out. Got some fun little bug creatures that 
I had printed for me a long time ago as replacement Taiga uh, before mm-hmm. Taiga came out. And I'm like, well, that's their job now. That's a quantum, yeah. quantum nice. zone creature. I think uh, uh, this this might be fun on list building because if you can plop a TO infiltrator or a hidden deployment infiltrator right next to or near your creature, and then whenever somebody spends an order to move them in, you're like, I shoot, and this guy CCs. What do you do? Then they dodge. Yeah. Right. So that's going to be interesting for some gameplay purposes. Yeah. In in my kind of ideal ITS season, quantum anomaly zones and quantum anomaly creatures and those sorts of things would be season extras or maybe I agree. both. I don't know. Uh, both together, but probably separate. Because um, that way, okay. Because I think it's easier to remember if they're just part of a mission pack. If they're yeah. in your whole lineup, it's a way easier to remember. Because mm-hmm. uh, sometimes that'll still happen. Where it's like, oh yeah, that mission we were supposed to place those zone templates. We never did. But that oh, said, no. they've paired <laughs> enough stuff back that this doesn't offend me. Yeah, it's, I agree. It's at a manageable level with everything overall. So I think that, you know, if we're going to do it, yeah, it would be nice if it was an extra. But since it's not, at least everything else is at a level where this kind of connects really well, integrates well over the course of the season, I think. Yeah, like this is nice and I feel like it's a great jump mm-hmm. for ITS. It's It feels much better overall. I've not necessarily been thrilled with the previous seasons, not that they were awful, but just that, you know, there were things that I consistently wasn't terribly happy with. Yeah. But this season, I think, is a really good step in the right direction in my mind. Yeah, I very much agree. Yeah. So, step in the right direction, for sure. Hey, so feedback that... gets listened to, apparently. Right. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. I I mean, if, if talk about feedback. I, I'm right with you, Devin. Just eliminate that QAZ, the cor- the quarantine column of the cheat sheet i'm happy <laughs> i like that it feels like it will do stuff because yeah. before the problem was just that it didn't feel like it did enough to warrant placement and the surrounding irritation of oh now i move less and oh now i shoot less and it just yeah just slows down the game effectively both you know movement wise and just general gameplay wise but now it feels like but a choice now it now it feels like okay this is doing enough to warrant the time to play with it slash place it and all of that. So I'm interested to see how it works in practice. It, it yeah. could be that it's like, Same. wow, this, this is awful and everything's dying and I need to stop touching zones and now I'm scared to ever go near them. Or <laughs> maybe, you know, maybe play multi-wound stuff. Yeah. Should probably play them anyways. <laughs> it's but you okay. got a point. Apply more Avatar. Avatar season has come. More Asura. Asura is pretty good. Um, but I'm no, just thinking the avatar because he has BTS nine. So he mostly ignores the zones and he has the extra command token. So he gets more O 12 prestige. Gets all and, of it. And, uh, yeah. So there we go. The time of the avatar has returned. It is now, <laughs> but, um, yeah, so we're getting pretty close now, but I do want to do a quick touch on the, uh, the fluff for this season. It's mostly a continuation of end song. So, mm-hmm. You may not have gotten Ensong yet, because I know not everywhere has... Well, mm. I think most places have gotten them by now. Uh, but generally speaking, there have been some 
this is going to be a quick version, but basically things have gotten bad on Concilium Prima. The artificial or the evolved intelligence has broken through the blockades of the human sphere, uh, which is what the game Asheron's uh, Asheron Falls is about. Basically, mm -hmm. it's that's the space combat game. But that the combined army has broken through. They're closing in on Concilium Prima. They're trying to get the Zechi Digester, which has been the MacGuffin since Campaign Paradiso in N2. And they're close to getting it. There's some plots by the Toha that don't quite work, but cause some quantum zones and other awful things to happen to Concilium Prima. And that's why the Toha have been written out, besides business reasons. Uh, is that they're now kill on sight in the human sphere because they tried to effectively destroy Concilium Prima. And the combined army realizes they're about to lose access to the digester, so they help stabilize the Concilium Prima somewhat to try and keep things from getting worse. And they kind of integrate somewhat with the human sphere, and there's this sort of ceasefire declared because I mean, they actually have a seat in the O12 council now. Isn't that right. wild? Yeah. Yeah. Kind of crazy. So, so what I'm liking about this is, so we've had so many years of like this, this impending doom storyline of the, the, the combined army is coming through and humanity has to band together to resist them, but they're still in fighting and they're going to lose. And it's like every season and the grand, the story has been fun, but it's like, okay, they push a little further and they push a little further, but it's just like, you know, we can't win against them. And then I feel like, you know, and it kind of, this grand like war story kind of overshadows a lot of what the game is when the game is about like black ops missions. Mm-hmm. But now with this advancement in the storyline with this like ceasefire, this armistice and the EI having a seat on the O12 council in this integration, it kind of, it, it resets it to a point where it's like the major war isn't happening. And now conflict truly is this cold war ish black ops operations kind of thing. And I'm like, well done CB. Like you, you found the way to make it work thematically with your system. Absolutely. Yeah, the return to fluff matching gameplay, I think is great. Because I, I mean, Infinity is a skirmish game, right? It's not a large battle game. That's not what it's ever been about. And so between, you know, this fluff change and, or rather advancement in the story and the, general N4, like limiting combat groups and kind of making things just a little more compact. I, I think it's a really great move to kind of keep it in its roots, as it were. So, yeah, I think that's an awesome change. But, yeah. And for those wondering, basically Combined Army is forming this temporary piece because they don't want to lose the chance to get the digester and they realize that if they don't if they keep pushing, humanity will just keep resisting until their planet blows up, as opposed yeah. to they can wait and bide their time and then potentially get yeah. it later. Yeah, it's like I think that's the, the goal. The deal is is that yeah, they're they're gonna help contain these quantum anomaly zones, but they get to at least for now keep all held territories on Concilium and Paradiso. Yep. 
So total ceasefire, total armistice. But the, of course, the conflict has to continue, and that's where the, the, the game comes in. Cause it's all Black Ops missions, and it's great. Absolutely. But yeah, and the other thing that we've kind of touched on a little bit is the resilience operations. So again, this will be a topic for another episode, but effectively it's that you have a default setup and a bunch of random things to generate the mission. So you'll have objectives generated randomly. You'll have a battle condition that affects the, the mission randomly. Um, you'll have certain elements that you need to interact with and you know how HVTs will work and things like that. You may need to hold ground. You may need to destroy structures. You may need to do, you know, capture certain objectives and things like that. And so basically it's just this framework of random, randomly generated missions, which I think is really interesting, mm -hmm. but we won't really know what that looks like until the operations deck is released. Mm -hmm. So we will be having a rules review episode when that is available. We've gotten a chance to kind of look through it a little bit. We'll do a first impressions there as well. And it's something I'm looking forward to playing. Yeah, if nothing else, I think it's different. cool. It seems like good inspiration for custom missions as well, is to kind of pick yeah. out well, certain things like, oh, yeah. My my curiosity on this, which, again, we kind of got to figure out what it is once we get the, the, the deck in hand and all that. Um, I think that Resilience Ops is a great foundation to try to uh, do a mode of infinity that's um, asymmetric operations where each player isn't necessarily trying to do the same mission, that they have their own objectives. And that's always hard to pull off, but I think that this is something that where it could be kind of used for that potentially. And we said, we'll see how it shakes out, but that's something that I think would be really cool to see in infinity at some point. Yeah, it's kind of an interesting blend between classifieds and standard mission objectives because uh, from my reading, each player will draw their own cards, but then they'll have those cards revealed. So, yeah, that should be pretty interesting. So, yeah. So, again, we'll talk about that more in detail. Um, and so at this point, we'll kind of get towards our final thoughts, but I'm going to do a quick plug for our Patreon page. So for those of you that are already patrons of the show, I want to say a big thank you to you guys helping us out with special projects and equipment costs and other expenses of the show that just kind of make it a little bit easier on us to handle. So we greatly appreciate all of your help with that. Uh, also, if you're interested in becoming a patron, you can find us on patreon.com slash metachemistry, and we, you get some benefits for being uh, for being a supporter of the show as a way for us to kind of say thanks in return, where you can uh, have access to polls. We currently have a poll that just started for Ian's new army for season 15, so if you are a patron, you can go vote on that and decide his fate for the coming year of Infinity. We also have early access for episodes, so you can get them a week early and check them out before anyone else gets the chance to. And uh, also some special sections of our Discord that are just for you guys to share and talk about. And as far as our Discord goes, that is free and open, aside from a couple Patreon channels, uh, for people to come and talk about 
anything Infinity related, really, whether that be uh, new rules, new you know army changes, uh, hobbying, all that good stuff. So, as always, that's going to be in the show notes. So feel free to join us. We'd love to have you and chat more Infinity. So with that, Azoka, Ian, what are your final thoughts on our first impressions of season fifteen? Azoka. Step in the right direction, and I'm pretty excited to play the season 15, uh, the entire tournament slate, because uh, we get reinforcements, which I'm super like pretty pumped about. Arizona Armageddon's going to be including that in their tournament packet, so uh, we actually get to use this neat uh, extra for for ITS season. So I'm pretty pumped. Absolutely, yeah, that'll be cool. Yeah, what about you, Ian? Yeah, I'm I'm excited. Um, I feel like this has been the more most interesting season rules wise that we've had in a in a couple of years. Um, definitely more excited for this than I have been for the last few. Um, and as always, especially with this one, the Corvus Belly has always tied their tournament seasons into the main plot line of the game and I feel like it's coming across much more in this season so far with the rules that they're using with like the quantum anomaly zones are just much more in theme with what's going on in the plot at this point and I just think that that's super cool because one thing that like I always enjoyed in some of the old seasons was um, where things would happen in the season that would actually change the plot of the the game uh so you would you used to have things like um uh the alive group and the winner of the interplanetario got to decide you know where they went and that's how combined army got bit and kiss because they won and they said okay well combined army gets them uh but then there was also like a the mid-season like story campaign and for the you know rest of the season uh, victor messer had fingered you know these people as being potential shazvasti agents and so then like you you know like you couldn't use them so like Tariq mansuri wasn't available for like half a season or you know things like that and it was really cool and they moved away from that and i'm not saying we need to have weird like special rules and stuff like that again but it was really cool so i like i think this is a step back towards that story engagement between the, the ITS season and the main game. And I'm, I'm excited for it. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that, you know, I'm generally of the same opinion as you guys. I feel like this is a good step in the right direction. It feels like we've kind of, you know, Corvus has kind of realized some things that didn't work in the last couple seasons and have moved to kind of improve those things. Like I know there were polls on the forums in terms of how to deal with free uh, mercenaries and, and, you know, just generally how some of these things were received. And I'm glad to see that those were changed because, you know, after a couple seasons of that, like I was uh, it's not looking forward to more. But that's really cool that, you know, if people do like that sort of thing, that can still be applied. And I think that... I think the extras are a really cool place 
to have ITS rules. And I know that kind of a lot of times they're seen as like effectively being removed from the game. But I think that that's becoming less the case, at least with this season. Like reinforcements is a big enough thing to warrant that extra being used. Whereas, you know, something like CQB, I don't really see anyone using that. You just handle that with terrain as far as not being able to yeah, fire agreed. past a certain distance. But generally speaking, I think it's a good place to have things that can apply to a whole lineup and do something interesting and kind of have a little bit of a little bit of flair, a little bit of uh, spice on a given event that makes it distinct besides just a given set of missions. Uh, again, there are also several new missions, which we had mentioned, so we'll probably talk about those a little bit more later on as we go, uh, especially once we've got a chance to play some of those. But yeah, I am pretty optimistic about this season. I am very happy with the direction, both mechanically and narratively. I like Infinity being this kind of Black Ops sort of feel. And so, yeah, like all of these things are looking good. So I'm pretty happy with that. So if you are getting some ITS 15 games, we'd love to hear about them, particularly with new missions and new rules and other changes in season 15. So yeah, let us know what you think. And hopefully it's as good as our first impressions look. <laughs> this has been Devin. Azoka. And Ian. And that's the meta. <laughs>